0: everyone and welcome to our podcast. My name is Danielle and I'm here with Nora, Ruby and Nadine and today we're going to be discussing the best practice management for optimal wound healing for diabetics age 40 plus following surgery. Now ladies, I want to start off by asking each of you if you know someone with diabetes.
1: Yes, I do. I have a few family members. You I actually don't know anyone. Yeah, and I do have my uncle who's got diabetes and then, you know, whenever he gets caught, you know, compared to others, it takes while to, you know, to heal the wound.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, my nana had diabetes. She had type 2 diabetes and she often had a lot of skin conditions and impaired wound healing. So it's Mm -hmm. really good that we're discussing this topic today. Um, So as you can see, diabetes is extremely common and a topic that isn't spoken about enough. Here, we want to close the gap and educate practitioners or any students listening to gain an understanding in diabetic wound care. I've decided to discuss the difference between a normal wound healing process and a diabetic wound healing process because the two are quite different. Now, according to Diabetes Australia, 1.8 million Australians have diabetes. Type 2 diabetes occurs primarily in the older age bracket, and a key characteristic is delayed or impaired wound healing, which increases their risk of limb amputation. The costly impact diabetes has on the Australian economy is estimated at $14.6 billion and chronic wounds is estimated at $2.85 billion annually. If intervention strategies are not implemented, these costs will continue to rise along with the elderly population. So given those statistics, I'm sure most of you listening can understand why best practice management, evidence summary and education is so important. Now, I got my information from Medline with Full Text, Academic Search Elite, and CINAHL Full Text, which are some great databases. So the type of participants we were looking for were 40 plus and the elderly. Types of wounds I wanted to look for were lower extremities because often this is where diabetic wounds will arise. And I included leg ulcers, chronic wounds, and diabetic foot. The exclusion criteria was upper extremities and teenager or child wounds, as we wanted to focus mainly on mature age diabetics. Types of interventions included wound healing, normal wound healing processes, surgical wound healing and post-surgical wounds, with a comparison of diabetic wound healing, diabetic post-surgical wounds and diabetic impaired wound healing. Exclusion criteria consisted of pre-surgical wounds, because we only want to focus on post-surgical wounds, and surgeries completed on teenagers or children. When it comes to outcomes, I was expecting evidence regarding epidemiology, comparison of diabetic and non-diabetic wounds, prolonged inflammation, cytokine activity, mediator activity, and how treatments differ, along with any other interesting information present in studies. The types of studies I included were systematic reviews, randomised controlled trials, before and after studies, prospective and retrospective cohort, case controls, case series and quasi-experimental. The themes evident in my question consisted of the following. One, what is the normal wound healing process post-surgical? Two, what occurs differentially during the wound, diabetic wound healing post-surgery? These themes are used to complete the evidence summary on how the two types of wound healings differ and further leading us to aid in finding a collaborative answer to the best practice management for wound healing in diabetics 40 and above. So after thoroughly searching each database and narrowing down my search strategy, I came to 13 articles that correlated with my topic to some degree. In diabetic wounds, the evaluated evidence showed that the normal wound healing process follows specific phases. Inflammation, granulation, and maturation following surgery. Cytokine expression is evident during the inflammation phase. In one study, IL-6, TNFA, IL-1A, and GCSF were expressed in a non-diabetic wound. It is evident that following surgery, normal wound healing processes are expected, and any underlying health conditions, such as diabetes, can alter that. In diabetic wounds, most literature reviewed had some kind of comparison between diabetics and non-diabetics. In diabetic wounds, the underlying reason for impaired healing consisted of peripheral vascular disease and the presentation of advanced glycation end products, also known as AGES. Those that suffered from chronic wounds have a prolonged inflammation phase. Nerve endings are crucial for the healing of wounds, which may explain the impairment of a di- diabetic individual. M1 and M2 macrophage transition is important in wound healing, and if this does not take place, This is when impaired wound healing can occur, and this can often present itself in diabetic wound. With all this in mind, I believe that post-surgical interventions are extremely important to note to elevate the healing of those with diabetes, as the impaired inflammation phase and lack of oxygen to the wound may have a detrimental effect on the healing. There is also an increased expression of ages and peripheral vascular disease in individuals with diabetics and they also may need a prolonged stay in hospital so that practitioners can aid in the healing process with regular changes of wound dressings. But as you can see, education is imperative on this topic and this is why we are discussing it today. Thanks guys, I'll pass it on to Nora.
2: Thanks, Danny. So as Danielle mentioned, diabetes is an extremely important topic when it comes to the treatments we can offer. As most of us know, diabetes sufferers tend to have slower healing times. Through my research, it was obvious that not much had been done in the management of wounds post-surgery. As you could imagine, the healing process could be quite daunting for most patients, which is why it was so important a best practice guideline was put into place to aid in speeding up the healing process in a safe and effective way. I chose to explore ultrasound therapy. So for those that don't know what it is, it's basically a device that delivers energy into the tissue past the wound bed to stimulate numerous biological effects. Specifically in the research I found, it was the non-contact low-frequency ultrasound that was utilised in most studies, which includes waves of the ultrasound that are administered to the tissues using saline mist as a non-contact therapy, which is converted into fine particles. These are released to the wound by the sound pressure waves to dispose of damaged and dead tissue. So to do this, I used three databases, including Medline, PubMed and Cochrane using keywords such as ultrasound therapy, wound management, post-surgery, diabetes, wound healing and management. My inclusion criteria included those over the age of 40 and a publication period of 2005 to 2021, and also human participation. My exclusion criteria consisted of no animal trials and nothing before 2005. I must admit, I was getting quite frustrated that I couldn't find any research papers. All I kept seeing was ultrasound in managing foot ulcers. So I thought, you know what, this is perfect. There's obviously the gap we mentioned. So now the job was to go through those research papers and create a link between the outcomes and how this could be used post-surgery. I gathered around 10 papers across all databases, which mostly consisted of four systematic reviews, four random controlled trials and two case series. I reviewed these and found a common occurrence between them. Ultrasound therapy had positive outcomes in the management of the wound healing phases and healing time in ulcers and post-amputation. While reviewing a random control trial, it was found that patients with diabetic foot ulcers were exposed to either the ultrasound or a sham treatment for four minutes, three times per week. It was found that the ultrasound group actually showed significant reduction of exudate and a healing rate of 40.7% compared to the sham group, which has a 14.3% healing rate. Many of my findings had this general outcome of being u- of the ultrasound being used three times per week. Ultrasound was also found to have several beneficial effects, including wound closure, it was painless compared to other methods of debridement, and the treatment of exudate and sloth through cellular activity stimulation. So the themes intended to be reviewed were, can ultrasound therapy be utilized in the management of wounds post-surgery, specifically with those that suffer from diabetes? And how can we link this outcome to post-surgical wounds? So basically, the ultrasound could be a very beneficial modality to assist in wound management and could really be backed up with evidence with more large trials and investigations. I'll now pass it on to Ruby.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Ruby and thanks to Danny and Noura. By now, most of us know that the ha- can have a lot of complications post-surgery and frequently can develop chronic and infectious wounds as a result of impaired wound healing. As Daniela mentioned, if interventions, uh, intervention strategies are not implemented, there will be a rising cost as well as negative impacts on both the patients and healthcare system, along with the elderly p- population. Therefore, it is critical to take extra care while treating even minor wounds in diabetic patients. Now, I'm going to talk about one of the interventions that we are all so far familiar with. The search was conducted databases including Medline, Sinal, and PubMed. And I specifically had to refine my words of search with keywords in phrases such as diabetic wounds surgery LLT low level light trapping low level laser trapping and LED the search was limited to age 40 plus, human, and peer-reviewed journals, and the exclusion of the search were articles before 2010, non-English articles, and studies on animals. This evidence summary contained a total of three, 12 appropriate full-text papers that were analyzed according to NHMRC evidence guideline and have been graded as B based on the characteristics of each paper. As there was limited literature supporting uh, wound healing post-surgery in diabetic patients, the evidence-based um, summaries them could be divided into different topics, such as how LLT works on normal wound healing, um, what are some complications of healing in diabetics, and how can LLT be used in support to diabetics patients. The aim of this um, research was to establish best practice for accelerating wound healing in diabetic patients post surgery. So the intervention chosen was low-level light therapy, also called low-level laser therapy, is a promising treatment for wound healing. So it uses either um, low-power laser or a a light-emitting diet, which is LED, so to boost um, cellular function and biological activities. LLT, whether low-power light, low-level laser, or LED, have been shown to be beneficial in the healing and treatment of wounds and pain. Um, Recent studies have also shown that it is effective in promoting neovascularization of traumatic wounds and increasing blood flow to the wounds. And as Daniela talked about the stages of wound healing in diabetic and non-diabetic patients, it is obvious that in diabetic patients, it is slower to process through the wound healing stages. This is due to the leukocyte chemotaxis and phagocytosis, um, reduced collagen synthesis and depositions, um, decreased macrophage function in the wound matrix and impaired granulation as well as decreased growth factor release. Therefore, LLT with its biological outcomes characteristics, which are reducing inflammatory cells, enhancing fibroblast profileration, angiogenesis, collagen synthesis stimulation, and granulation tissue development can benefit the diabetic patients with their wound recovery. Um, other common traditional treatment techniques, such as the brightness of necrotic tissue infection management and preser- preservation of the m- most um, wound bed with various dressing, are all used frequently to help with wound healing, especially post-surgery. However, the outcomes are frequently poor in diabetic patients as their healing process is impaired. Therefore, LLT is a laser or LED. LED can be offered as an adjuvant therapy to accelerate the healing process, blood circulation, and neurovascularization. The reviewed studies demonstrate that both LED and laser have similar biological effects. Therefore, in considering which one is superior to the other one, the wavelengths, energy density, as well as intervals and duration of the treatment were most recommended to be considered. In summary, LLT weather with LED or low-level laser is safe and effective therapy. All the studies that I have reviewed were mostly using LLT um, low-level laser therapy with a range of 632 to 685 nanometers for wavelengths. For example, one study used 632 nanometers, um, 30 megawatt, Uh, peak power with four joules per square centimeters for three times a week. Another study used 685 nanometers, 15 megawatt uh, per square centimeters, 10 joules per square centimeters for six times per week uh, for about two weeks, and then every second day to complete the healing. Uh, a similar study has been using LLT with the wavelengths of 660 and 850 nanometers, um, 60 megawatt uh, for power density, 2 to 4 joules uh, per centimeter square for the fluence. Um, this was done for 50 days, once a week. For light-emitting diet using 830 nanometers, uh, 60 joules per centimeter squared uh, four um, joules for the intensity for about 12 to 15 minutes has been clinically shown to improve and assist in pain control, acceleration of wound repair, blood flow and neurovascularization improvement in traumatic wounds. Even though the parameters were different in each study, still all the results were effective and safe. As a dermatologist, can use this therapy for wound healing, especially in those wound healing complications. However, the wavelength, energy density, and the duration of the treatment for wound healing can be considered based on the treatment protocol that we have on the Victoria Dermal Clinic. Thanks, girls, and now I'll pass it uh, pass it on to Nadine.
3: Thanks, Ruby. Thank you, girls. Now, my name is Nadine, and I'm discussing my PICO question on if kinesiology taping is more effective than manual lymphatic drainage in the wound management of diabetic patients aged 40 and above following surgery. Now, diabetes is found to be the leading cause of lower limb complications as it's associated with nerve damage and poor circulation, which is why I chose to focus on edema specifically. Diabetes Australia has estimated that within 20 years there may be an increase to more than 3 million Australians who suffer from diabetes. This increase of number in diabetics rings large alarm bells as um, it is key as clinicians in the health industry along with many other health professionals. We must fill the gap in research about diabetic wound care post-surgery in order to be best prepared and well-educated into management strategies that are backed with sufficient evidence proving their efficiency to aid in, aid in wound care management post surgery for diabetics. Now, let's break up the PICO question. The population was diabetic patients age 14 and above, both female and male. The intervention chosen was kinesiology taping. The comparison was the manual lymphatic drainage, commonly also referred to as MLD. And the outcome was wound management following surgical procedures. The databases used to conduct the literature research were both Medline and PubMed, using key terms, combined searches, and Boolean operators, where the Boolean operator or returned more results in comparison to not or and. Now, initially in the inclusion criteria, I did want to include only Australian studies. However, after trying several times, this was changed just to broaden the results. The inclusion criteria were refined to only discuss the two modalities, being MLD and kinesiology taping. There were journal articles from 2010 and 2021 which were accepted, and only human studies with adults aged 40 and above. The desired level of evidence were systematic reviews, randomize, randomized randomised control studies and case reports or case series. Um, the exclusion criteria was a younger age bracket and any testing done on animals. Now there were 10 final articles which were chosen to be part of the evidence summary because they met the inclusion criteria and were relatable to the PICO question to some degree. So the research themes included Is there a correlation with diabetes and edema? Is kinesiology effective as a post-surgery management option? And is is MLD a technique that can benefit diabetics post-surgery? Now, the information about these themes to intertwine them to create an evidence summary on how the modalities differ and aid best for wound management in diabetics age 40 and above. Now, the effects of kinesiology taping were carefully assessed where in a systematic review, positive evidence for kinesio tape application helped in the reduction of swelling and was found beneficial on parameters such as the pain and and the patient pain satisfaction. Now, another article, a case series, states how edema can cause pain, distress, depression, limited mobility and expense, hence why the management is key. There were limited articles comparing both modalities, as well as discussing the benefits of either modality in contrast to the other. Um, Although some of them said there may be some minor improvements in the studies, there isn't any strong evidence backing either modality. There was a study that found a combination of good skincare, 45-minute compression therapy, an hour of manual lymphatic drainage, um, application of the kinesiology taping, three times per week for one month, did show improvement of edema, which can be a recommended method of treatment. Now, as a group, we identified several gaps and limitations, which include small sample sizes, a lack in parameters for low-level laser therapy and ultrasound, limited studies found on diabetic wounds post-surgery, a lack of evidence discussing the benefits of kinesiology taping and MLD on the targeted population of just diabetics, minimal research conducted in Australia and an outweighed number of animal studies in contrast to human studies. So now I'm going to pass it on to Nura to finish us off. Now to conclude, I think we can
2: all agree that there is a gap in research about wound management in diabetics age 40 and above. As after reviewing the literature, it was quite evident that there are no clear guidelines on wound management for post-surgical procedures from a dermal, dermal clinician aspect to help aid in successful wound healing. After completing four evidence summaries as a group, we have come together to analyze and compare literature to ensure best practice management. The combination therapies of low-level laser therapy, ultrasound, MLD, kinesiology taping, and skin care will all have an effective outcome in wound healing for diabetics post-surgical procedures. However, there is still a need for further research and evidence-based guidelines within the allied healthcare system. As we all know, rate of diabetics is only growing. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for staying tuned and take care.